0: Between 1924 and 1960, 5,000 children would be kidnapped and sold under the guise of an adoption agency. The mastermind behind this? A southern belle that everyone loved. Sometimes the biggest monsters hide in plain sight. It's good to see you again. If this is your first time here, I'm your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, Anthony Rossetti, and this is Not Another Horror Podcast. Tonight we are on Season 1, Episode 14. Just a few more episodes left until the season finale. The show will not be back until the fall, but if you find yourself missing me, you can check out my other show, Murder Me Tenderly, which comes out this summer. One reviewer out there told me my voice is just too sensual. So, I'm going to put that to good use and narrate dating app meetups gone horribly wrong. Now, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to be going to Memphis, Tennessee. My birthplace. The case we're on, the baby thief Georgia Tan. How did this seemingly innocent old lady become one of the most infamous social workers turn child traffickers? Well, I'm about to tell you. Now you could never sell the story of Georgia Tan as fiction. Imagine trying to peddle a novel about a butch lesbian in depression era Memphis, of all places, with a taste for fine cars and fancy houses, who makes a fortune stealing children from poor folks and selling them to anyone, anywhere with sufficient cash. The she-devil is assisted by dozens of accomplices, including a crooked judge and the most powerful politician in the state. She operates virtually unhindered from 1924 to 1950. Yeah, sounds a bit absurd, right? Well, it actually happened. First, let me give you a little backstory on Georgia, because everyone loves a good villain origin story. Georgia Tan was born on July 18, 1891, in Philadelphia, Mississippi, to George Clark Tan and Beulah Yates. She had only one sibling, a brother who was three years younger than she was. Her mother was a school teacher during a time when it was uncommon for women to work outside of the home. Her father, Judge George Tan, reportedly had an arrogant, argumentative, and domineering personality. He also had aspirations of his daughter becoming a concert pianist. And beginning at the age of five, he put her in piano lessons that continued into adulthood. Neil Kenyon with the Nashville Tennessean reported that Tan's childhood home in Hickory, Mississippi was a popular neighborhood gathering spot. Judge Tan would sometimes bring abandoned or neglected children with him, remarking that he would need a minister, school teacher, and doctor to figure out what to do with all of these children. Tan attended Martha Washington College in Virginia, graduating with a degree in music in 1913 and took courses in social work at Columbia University in New York for two summers. However, she despised playing piano and instead desired to become a lawyer as her father had been. Under his guidance, she read the law and passed a state bar exam in Mississippi. However, her father did not want her to practice law because it was unusual for women. With no apparent desire to get married or have children, which we now know why, she chose one of the few careers available to unmarried women of her time, social work. Upon graduation, she briefly worked in Texas as a social worker, but quit after a short time. Tan found employment at the Mississippi Children's Home Society, working as the receiving director of the Kate McWillie Powers Receiving Home for Children. In 1922, Tan adopted an infant. She named her June. A daughter of a family friend, Anne Atwood also worked at the home as a house mother. Anne was eight years her junior. It is unclear when they became a couple, but when Tan was terminated because of her questionable child-placing methods in 1924, she moved to Memphis, Tennessee with June, Atwood, and Atwood's infant son, Jack. Atwood had recently given birth to a son out of wedlock, and around this time, appended Hollingsworth to her name, likely to give the impression that she had actually been widowed. While the cohabitation of two financially independent women referred to as Boston marriages, had once been socially acceptable, such arrangements had begun to be viewed as suspiciously homosexual. Tan and Atwood hid the true nature of their relationship. In 1924, Georgia Tan became the executive secretary of the Memphis branch of the Tennessee Children's Home Society. A charitable orphanage, intelligent and well-educated, she quickly established herself as the foremost agent for adoptions not only in Tennessee, but in the entire United States. Her tenacity and foresight and seemingly limitless passion for infants of a tender age helped to transform adoption into a respectable cause, even chic within wealthier circles. Her reputation skyrocketed, placing her on the national stage where organizations around the country sought her advice on all aspects of adoption and child rearing. She spoke at conferences in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, rubbed elbows with celebrities, advised First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt on adoption matters, and was invited to the presidential inauguration of Harry Truman. But Georgia had a secret. All of those children she was placing in homes, well, they were stolen. The unmarried woman, widely recognized for destigmatizing adoption, was also busy kidnapping, abusing, molesting, and selling children. Though the state required her to place babies solely with Tennessee parents for a fee to the charity not to exceed $7, she placed children in all 48 states with anyone willing to pay an exorbitant fee to her, but some pay more than $100,000 per child in today's dollars. Tan soon became a millionaire in a dark forest beyond reckoning. Tan's black market adoption ring placed children with politicians, millionaires, and celebrities, primarily in California and New York. Her celebrity clients including Lena Turner, Mary Pickford, June Allison, and Joan Crawford, later of Mommy Dearest fame. Crawford's adopted twins have been born only 25 miles from my own childhood home. Because white children with blonde hair and blue eyes commanded the highest price, Tan continually increased her inventory of blondes through trickery, abduction, and blackmail. Her favorite scheme was to drive through impoverished neighborhoods, peeking out the prettiest children, then offer them rides in her shiny black luxury car. Once the children were in, they usually never saw their families again. She preyed on unwed mothers and poor uneducated families through the use of spotters who'd report to her about children to snatch. Tan spotters included nurses, welfare workers, deputy sheriffs, lawyers, and doctors. Nurses would tell single mothers that their babies had died at birth and their babies' bodies cremated, when in actuality, they'd been handed over to Tan for sale. Other mothers signed away their newborn while suffering from the effects of anesthesia. Some others who just gave birth and under sedation were asked to sign routine papers. The routine papers were legal documents placing their children up for adoption. Tan preyed on women's desperation, their poverty, and their sense of shame. If they were unsedated and tried to hold on to the babies after the baby was born, then Georgia Tan would step in and say, Well, you don't want people in your hometown to know about your pregnancy, do you? Welfare workers tricked parents into signing legal adoption documents they didn't understand and dragged others into court to take away their youngest, cutest children. Some children were even snatched from playgrounds and off sidewalks and delivered to Tan to be sold. When children were stolen, Tan and Judge Kelly would have legal papers stating they were abandoned. When mothers were told their newborns died, they would then ask them to sign the death certificate. But they were actually signing away their parental rights. The children were transported to the adoptive parent city in the middle of the night so they would not raise suspicions. Tan believed wealthy people were superior and the poor should not have children, especially when they could not care for them properly. It is estimated that Georgia Tan sold more than 5,000 children in the 26 years that she served as head of the Tennessee Children's Home Society. She did so with impunity. Due to her cooperation of corrupt judges like Shelby County Juvenile Court Judge Camille Kelly, who assisted Tan by removing children from their birth parents on charges of neglect or by defending Tan's home when someone filed a complaint of wrongdoing. Lawyers and judges on her payroll quashed any lawsuit filed by a parent who scraped together enough money to fight for the return of their children. Law enforcement looked the other way. Almost anything was possible thanks to Tan's most powerful benefactor boss, Ed H. Crump, a mayor of Memphis and a U.S. congressman, whose corrupt political machine controlled not only Memphis, but much of Tennessee. Tan falsified the birth certificates of those she pledged for adoption and either destroyed or sealed the actual birth records, which allowed her to conceal her illegal activities and command higher prices. She regularly claimed her children were born of intelligent, beautiful, and successful parents of English descent. Many had instead come from prostitutes, convicts, and patients in mental institutions. The most of Tan's children found loving parents in a secure home despite her illegal methods. She was more interested in her bank account than the suitability of those adopting. Several young girls were placed with pedophiles, and many boys were placed with farmers and business owners looking for cheap labor. She often placed two and three children with a couple on trial, so that the adoptive parents could choose the one they liked the most and return the others, up to one year after their placement. Many were returned long after one year, and for the couples who kept the children and fell behind on their payments, well, Tan repossessed them. The children who suffered most were those who were not as desirable. Many were drugged and starved by Tan and her employees, Medical treatments were withheld, several, perhaps hundreds, died from neglect and were buried in unmarked graves without death certificates. It has been reported that Memphis had the highest child morality rate in the country at one time, much of which was attributed to Tan's neglect. Even those who were desirable weren't safe. Many reported later that they had been repeatedly assaulted by Tan and her employees. Tan would hit the children on the head so their hair would hide marks and bruises. She would tie their hands and hang them from coat racks. Infants were kept in appalling conditions and suffocating heat. Some were sedated until they were sold. Many were ill. Yes, sexual abuse at the hands of Georgia Tan was very true and it was presented as your favor, said one adoptee who was five years old when she lived at TCHS. I remember being told to sit in her lap, she continued. I keep trying to block it all out, but it keeps coming. It caused me a lot of problems and you won't find a whole lot of healthy adults who went through there. Back then, every boy in an orphanage got molested, one adoptee said, and pointed to male caretakers as the main culprits. Georgia Tan was also not opposed to murdering babies. If a baby was sickly, had a congenital disability or not adoptable, instead of sending them back home to their, you know, actual families, Tan would send them to people who would kill them by intentionally leaving them in the sun or starving them. Tan would not get medical attention for the children and let nature take its course. She ignored the doctor's advice to stop bringing in new babies and to separate the sick babies during a dysentery outbreak. Causing 50 to 60 babies to die in a few months. The doctor severed his ties as a free medical advisor at the home when his complaint to the board brought no action. Eventually, determined social workers and physicians convinced authorities of Tan's House of Horrors and illegal cells. Gordon Browning, a political enemy of Tan's friend Crump, was elected mayor. He soon caught wind of the whole selling babies racket and launched an investigation. Tan knew that without Crump in power, she had decidedly less influence than she used to. The investigation would most likely go through. Her wall of protection finally crumbled. Ball said Crump had lost power, and Judge Camille Kelly was forced to resign. The governor of Tennessee soon closed the Tennessee Children's Home Society after ordering an investigation just three days before the release of the damning discoveries to the public. Georgia Tan died of cancer on September 5th, 1950, at the age of 59, never having to answer for her terrible acts. No one involved in Tan's black market adoption ring was criminally prosecuted. Worse, no children taken from the birth parents were ever returned. The Tennessee legislature quickly legalized all of Tan's illegal adoptions. One of the most famous children kidnapped and sold was professional wrestling legend Ric Flair. Speaking of the victims, let's go over some of the victims that have come forward as adults. Rose Harvey. Rose was a young, impoverished, pregnant mother of a two-year-old, Onyx. Rose and Onyx are believed to be Tan's first victims. In 1922, Tan went to Rose's home in Jasper County, Mississippi. Rose was sleeping inside while Onyx was playing on the back porch, and Tan persuaded Onyx to get into her car. Tan had Onyx's father sign legal papers declaring Rose an unfit and Onyx an abandoned child. He was adopted. Rose obtained an attorney but was never able to get custody of Onyx. Debbie Birch. Debbie Birch wrote a book, The Complete Story No Mama, I Didn't Die My Life as a Stolen Baby. Birch was born in Tennessee in 1937 as Nell Howe to Lena May Howe. Lena May was told her baby died, but she heard them cry. She was also told her newborn daughter was a boy. Devi Birch learned the truth at 71 years old. Alma Simple Alma was a single mother when her baby 10-month-old Irma became ill with a cough. Alma could not afford medical care. Tan offered to take Irma to get medical attention. But if Alma came with her, there would be a charge. Two days later, Tan told her Irma died and they took care of her by burying her. Emma was adopted in Ohio and named Sandra. Emma believed Emma was deceased until 1989 when she saw an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that told the story of Georgia Tan. When she saw the picture of Tan, she recognized her as the woman that took Emma. 45 years later, after Emma was stolen, Alma found her. James and Thomas White James and Thomas White were five-year-olds taking a nap when someone stole them from their home. Their 13-year-old sister went down the street to visit their grandmother. They went to a home in California. They ran away at seven years old due to physical abuse. A neighbor found them in an empty swimming pool and called the police. They were sent back to the home with Georgia Tan. When they returned, the sexual abuse started. They were in several homes, each time having a different name. They speak of their experience on the Oprah show in 1991. In 1943, Mary Reed was 18 years old when she gave birth to her son. She was under anesthesia when she was asked to sign routine papers when Mary was no longer Under anesthesia, she asked for her baby, but he was already in New Jersey. Even though she hired a lawyer, she was never able to get her child back. Her son, Steve Parker, read a newspaper article about Tan in the home. He then searched for his mother and found her in 1992. Their story is on a 60 Minutes episode. Jim Lambert Jim and his siblings were able to trace their birth mother only to find that she died. In her Bible, there were the names of her stolen children. And in her penmanship, it said, The children of a broken-hearted mother. I have no one to love me now. The list goes on and on. If you're interested in more first-hand accounts, I could suggest reading the books The Baby Thief by Barbara Raymond and Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. One question that still remains is the involvement of Anne in this horrible trafficking. Anne was never officially employed by Georgia or the Tennessee Children's Home Society, but often volunteered at the home, performing secretarial services and escorted children throughout the county to their adopted homes. Some will say that she was a horrible person who was an accomplice to this horrible affair, but for some members of her family, Anne was also a victim, preyed upon by Georgia Tan, who manipulated her to be one of her cronies. The truth might never be known and died in october 1995 taking the truth with her that concludes our show for this week if there's any case you'd like to see on the show feel free to reach out to me on instagram or You can submit a suggestion on the website, notanotherwhorepodcast.com. As always, stay safe, stay sane, and please don't steal any children.